This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, this is Guido Pensini. You're listening to TV Confidential. Confidential. Well, if you don't understand, that's too bad. <laughs> the NBC Television Network presents the Jack Parr Show. July 29th, 1957. This is the day that Jack Parr became the host of The Tonight Show. Now, keep in mind that there was uh, a brief bit between Steve Allen and Jack Parr. About six months, right. About six months, or two weeks less than Conan (laughs) (laughs) O'Brien. Which, uh, it was uh, uh, Tonight, America After Dark, and it starred Jack Lascouli, which was supposed to be a late-night version of the Today Show, Mm -hmm. both created by Pat Weaver. And that did not work, so they wanted to go back to their roots. And so they brought in Jack Parr. Now, I, I would say it's fair to say that Jack Parr had a distinction from any other Tonight Show host, except for maybe Conan, is that Jack Parr was not a comedian. But he, he could tell a one-liner. He could tell a one-liner. He was a great storyteller and yeah, and a wonderful conversationalist yeah. just in general. And I don't know if it's fair because, you know, you, you have to compare each administration differently. But he was, um, in his time, he was a very controversial figure as well. I believe... Uh, a few months back, you, Tony, um, said John Stewart is probably the closest in spirit yeah. to Jack Parton. I would say John Stewart because you know Letterman. I would say is as close you know to Johnny Carson and the, Steve Allen and Steve Allen. Yeah, because they you know I would say the you know the wearing the suit of cornflakes and being dumped into a giant yeah. bowl is Steve <laughs> Allen. You could also see Ernie Kovacs's yeah. mm-hmm. uh, influence on Letterman. I would say Conan is also a student of a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I would say Letterman's demeanor, the personality, the Midwestern guy, was much nice more job. Johnny Carson. And, uh, you know, even though, you know, I guess you can consider, you know, all of these guys were Midwestern guys, even though, you know, Steve Allen was born in Chicago, mm-hmm. right? You know, you do have that. But I would say most of these guys were always the smartest man in the room off camera. Most of them were well-read. But on camera, you knew Jack Parr was the smartest man in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, you could say that about Steve Allen. Steve Allen, when he would interview an author, I mean, every one of these guys have read the books. Mm-hmm. I mean, Johnny Carson read a book constantly. There wasn't a subject that you could not talk to him about on or off. and it came, But he never came off that way. Right. Um, Jay Leno reads books, and you know he admittedly is dyslexic and he has some issues, but he never comes off like the smartest man in the room. You know, he's... 
You know, and he and he kind of plays that. You know, yeah. that he's kind of more of a blue collar kind of guy. Which he was the first host that kind of came off that way, where the others were, you know, a little bit more of the intellectual type, and he came up. But you know, not a dumb guy. Right. You know, if you try to challenge him on that. Uh, Letterman also smart guy, but Jack Parr, I would say, you knew he was the smartest man in the room. Where he is like John Stewart, I would say now, where the other ones could be more of a gracious host and let things, you know, not ask a follow-up question. Uh, I would say Jack Parr would be the one to ask, you know, the senator, the congressman, whoever, especially the politicians, or, uh, you know, if they if they gave an answer as a politician, he would say, wait a second, and like John Stewart would do now. So I'd say he was very distinct for that. And uh, eh, if he didn't like your book, he might, you know, not be as enthusiastic to <laughs> plug the book. And I think Steve Allen had a little bit of that. I don't think Steve Allen liked Jack Kerouac. Uh, <laughs> thought he should have spent more time writing yeah. uh, and, and less time on the road. Didn't like, <laughs> butcher, didn't like the butcher paper thing. It bothered yeah. him. Yeah, exactly. So, but he 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 did that. Uh, Jack Parr also, you know, he he was in Berlin when the wall went up and did interviews. In fact, I believe um, sometime in August uh, we will be airing a series of special editions of the Sound Sounds of Lost Television that our friend Phil Grice. Right. Uh, has put together, and Tony, you'll be um, you know, you'll be you'll be uh, uh, sitting in on the, on that one, and uh, it, it is I mean, as Phil puts it, uh, this year this this calendar year is the 50th anniversary of Johnny taking over the, the Tonight Show, show mm-hmm. the October of 19th anniversary yeah. of Johnny stepping down, and so there's been a lot of focus on Johnny, rightfully so, but Phil thinks uh, it, it it is time that we, we we spend some time this year remembering the other King of Late Night. Uh, Jack Parr, and we'll be doing that in the next few weeks on TV Confidential as part of the Sounds Lost Television. I'm, I'm looking forward to participating yes. with that, and I think you know the history of the Tonight Show. You know, I, I think a lot of lot of our generation we don't remember before Johnny Carson. Yeah. We don't remember Johnny in black and white. <laughs> I mean, that was just you know, not only is it our our ability to recollect. You know, we weren't up to we weren't able to stay up until. And you it's know, funny because yeah. when I read stuff on that, there was a lot of people that thought, well, this is the end of The Tonight Show when Parr leaves. It's never going to get any better than it is right now. And then it had a whole different metamorphosis at that point. Yeah, yeah. And, and, going back, and going back to Phil's point, uh, because Johnny was on for 30 years, yeah. which is astounding, although I guess when we figure Dave's been doing it for Dave was entering his 20th year on CBS and prior to that he did he had 11 years 11 on. years okay so you know so, so Dave you know that's 30 it's, but still up to that point you figure if you did 5 years like Parr did that was good that was very good that's that's Arsenio good yeah. <laughs> you had a good run you had a very good run you know so uh, and, and again the, the Jack Parr Tonight Show is much different than the Johnny Carson Tonight Show, but, um, but also, you know, television. Uh, when you look at technologically speaking, Jack Parr was the first one who was able to start to do the show in the afternoon mm-hmm. and be home to watch the show, right. mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of was the problem with the uh, water, water closet, closet joke. joke right. Because they could actually cut it out, it was not going live. Yeah. So when he watched it at home, he discovered that the joke was cut. Uh, they were also uh, they were broadcasting in color, but the kinescopes are in black and white. Mm-hmm. So they were already broadcasting in color. So there were some already some some huge developments in, in in television at that time. 
the sad thing is, and Phil Grice, will, had, well, I'm sure we'll bring it up again, they were trying to save pennies yes. and not preserving these videotapes. So whatever kinescopes survived are there. Whatever audio survived right. is there. And you know what? They wouldn't really have saved anything. I think Phil himself has pointed this out. You could not reuse those tapes. Yeah. But the bean counters said, oh, we're going to erase these so we could use it over again, yeah. and we're not paying for storage yeah. space. Right. Look at how much money we are saving. Yeah. Look at how much money they could have had <laughs> off of home video, DVDs, Blu-rays, off of all of that stuff. Well, yeah. of course, at that time, it was like, they you know, there's no it, way it, they were going to ever anticipate that. that. Is, uh, it was already right. 10 years after Desi Arnaz had this crazy idea of filming I Love Lucy on a soundstage in Hollywood mm-hmm. with the potential of airing it again to have reruns. Yeah. Well, yeah. So That's true, the, the pioneering, the crazy Cuban came up with this idea 10 years earlier where he was nuts, and then they realized, oh, wow, they're still making money off of I Love Lucy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but at the same time, you know, 50 years ago, no one would have imagined that uh, no, it was disposable. Yeah, everything was disposable, and that's not unusual. I mean, they've they've done that. I mean, the, you would have a car for like three years. And well, yeah, buy a new one exactly. Back then. But like, if you go back to the the time um, of silent movies, when silent movies ended and talkies came in, the studios were really pretty ready to destroy all of the, the silent films. They tried to destroy a lot of the silent films. Uh, and then there were guys like the gentleman who, who originally owned the silent movie theater in Hollywood who went in and saved those. And because of that, those films exist. But, you know, Hollywood always has, has kind of looked at its its past, especially back then, as disposable. And that is, it was in the minute, it was right then and there, and after that, no one's going to want to see it again. Maybe we do a re-release as a double feature, and that's about it. But you think about, to me, the amazing thing about the early Carson shows, and especially Jack Parr, is to watch that show, you had to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning to watch that. You had to be really committed to that it show. Was like, what, 11.15 to 1. And if you weren't going, if you weren't interested in that show, you would peel off at 11.45 or 12 yeah. o'clock or whatever. I remember my parents used to talk about, uh, they would sit up and watch the news and then be the Johnny Carson monologue and go to bed. Yeah. You know, and there was actually a, 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 st- a study about uh, people's bathroom habits, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there were cities that had to, you know, upgrade their water waste uh, refineries. I'm not sure what the technical term is. There was even one city that named their solid waste disposal system after Johnny Carson because what the city had was inefficient at 11:36 when they went to commercial because everyone in the you know everyone went to the bathroom at the exact same time but it was they had a big ceremony at, at launching it and they named it after Johnny Carson and of course Johnny Carson had to you know take his you know little blue cards and dab his eyes and all that you know what an honor that he has that he was you know named uh, that they named the uh, solid waste disposal system so you you have that uh Jack Parr also uh, went to Cuba to interview Castro uh, I mean so much Unfortunately, of the when we look at Jack Parr's tenure of the Tonight Show, and I guess a lot of it is because the you know, the the films are not there. So much emphasis is put on the water closet joke, which I think is very very important in the Jack Parr history. <laughs> it's it should be you know his his equivalent to what the hell were you thinking with Jay Leno and Hugh All Grant. Right. But, you know, he had so much else going on. And I would say the Castro thing and the uh, Berlin Wall thing was very important. And yeah. then later on on his uh, later uh, talk show, interviewing Bobby Kennedy. And, of course, the first yeah. question is, how is Mrs. Kennedy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that very poignant moment. You know, Phil has prepared uh, at least one clip of Parr from Cuba. Ah. 
And that's uh, he's got a clip of Parr in, uh, interviewing JFK. Uh, Senator Kennedy, yeah. Uh, then Senator John F. Kennedy. From an entertainment standpoint, Parr had a lot to do with introducing people like Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby to, yeah, uh, to a, a national audience, yeah. which wouldn't have been there before. No, and, and in fact, his, Bill Cosby's appearance on Jack Parr's Tonight Show was seen by a young Rob Reiner who yeah. was staying up late. And then he stayed up late until his dad came home from, you know, working on the Dick and Dan show. show. He yeah. stayed up late and he said, Dad, I saw this guy on Jack Parr and he redid the whole act. I think it was the Noah's Ark mm -hmm. bit. And he said, you, got, you have to see this yeah. guy. And then when Cosby was in L.A., he was brought over to the Dick Van Dyke Show set, and it's like we need to use this guy, and that led to his yeah. appearance. You know, I Spy basically. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know if he was. They were trying to get him on the Dick Van Dyke Show as a character. She would have been brilliant on that show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, that pretty much led. So you have, you know, Jack Parr via Rob Reiner via Carl Reiner via Sheldon Leonard. I Spy, and hey, uh, so yeah, but Bill Cosby, I guess, is the most noticeable uh, one. But I said Dick yeah, Gregory. I I did, yeah, I just I have the I have the Jack Parr set at home, and I can't. There there were several other comics that. Um, well, Pat Harrington. Pat Harrington. Yeah. Yes, Guido Panzini. Panzini. I think we all want to see the Tonight Show as this kind of vessel that NBC had, and there were different people that were stewards of the Tonight Show. The reality is, it was like different administrations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it really was. It would be like different administrations under different parties, and and, and things change around. You know, each one of these hosts. Uh, metaphorically and literally owned their shows. Yeah. And that was back at a time also when what you had was you had, um, you know, Steve Allen's show was going to be different than Buddy Lester's show was going to be and it was going to be different than Johnny Carson's. And after Carson took it over all those years, they kind of formed a template. And after yeah. that, they said, yeah. this is the way this show is always going to be, no matter who we stick in here. And it's yeah, very important. Johnny had said, you know, because somebody came to him, to ask uh, his advice, they were trying to put together a talk show for somebody else. Remember, mm -hmm. at the end of Johnny's run, everybody yeah. had a talk show. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, I want, we want your advice. And, and they came up with all these great ideas. This band and the desk was going to be this way and the set was going to look like this and the audience would be, I don't know, beanbag chairs or whatever. <laughs> and, 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 and Johnny just flat out said, you know, that's all great, but it's the guy in the chair behind right. the desk that mm -hmm. matters. Exactly. And when you look at the set, and, and people have experimented, you have the, when you're looking at the screen, the desk is on the right Mm -hmm. And the guest is on the left. You know, the sofa, the chair, yeah. and the sofa. Uh -huh. That's all on the left because we in the Western world will look from left to right. That's yeah. how we read. Exactly. And so it doesn't matter how you know, as much as the host would want to kind of convey that they're only as good as their guests, which I would say a Larry King would be that case. Yeah. And uh, other interviewers would be that way. But ultimately, regardless of what Charo does, your <laughs> head always will turn over to whoever is at that desk. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of QE Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at 
tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.